again, church? No, I'm going to hit the button. Okay. All right. Good morning once again, church, those here and those watching online. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for another opportunity to teach the word. You know, um, I'm a pulpit supply preacher, so it's pretty much what I do. I fill in for preachers. I fill in for pastors when they're sick, out of town, they need a break. And it's just pretty crazy. Within the last 12 months, this is the third time I've had to fill in short notice uh, for a pastor because of COVID, COVID outbreaks in churches. Um, so besides here, I filled in on another church in South Florida as well as in New Jersey. And this is just within the last 12 months. So, you know, it's just a good reminder to us to count our blessings. Life is precious. Health is precious. Um, the people in our lives are precious. And just be grateful for one another. Um, the events of the, the current events of the last week also remind us of the, the sanctity of human life. You know, life is precious. So we need to give thanks and praise to God for the gift of life. And, you know, sometimes we need, we need reminders. And I think situations like what we're experiencing this week with uh, our fellow church members and our pastor are just good reminders, you know, count your blessings. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. Health is not a guarantee. Uh, we, we need to be thankful. Amen? So we want to be thankful for that gift of life. So let's pray. Before we get into today's teaching, Lord Jesus, we pray that you bless this study of your word. Help us to learn and grow. Help us to become stronger disciples. Show us, Lord, uh, what you desire for us to receive from your word today. In your precious name, amen. So continuing on this theme of life, the gift of life, I want to shift it a little bit towards the theme of investing in lives and spiritual investments, um, physical investments, and investment in human life. And as a, an illustration to remind us of what I'm, I'm thinking about to get us started, I'm reminded of this story of these two famous actors, one who passed away just a few years ago, Denzel Washington and Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick is the one who passed away. Denzel, of course, is a famous actor who's been in movies for decades, and Chadwick was younger. He died at the age of 43 of uh, Black Panther fame, as well as other movies. And the, as the story goes, according to this speech that Chadwick gave when he received an award about a year before he passed away, uh, years ago, when Chadwick was a college student, he was, in a, he was going into a summer program related to Oxford University to as a theatrical program when he was a college student, which helped him, of course, to become an actor. And Denzel paid for his tuition. And as t years went by, you know, and Chadwick became a successful Hollywood actor, you know, the, the, the gratitude, I guess, increased, and he publicly acknowledged Denzel Washington for his gift, the, paying for the tuition for this special theatrical program. And the way he put it, there is no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. So he was expressing his gratitude. He was expressing his gratitude for the investment that Denzel made into the young man's life as a college student. And it made it possible for him to not only become an actor, but to be, have a successful career and, and you know, to do well as an actor and to make 
movies besides Black Panther that have been of special significance, particularly in the black community, that um, have carried a lot of weight for him as an actor. So he was expressing his gratitude for the investment in his life. But today what I want to talk about is the spiritual investment that God makes in our lives and how God expects a return on investment, an ROI. He, re- he expects a return on investment. He wants to see fruit in our lives. And that, of course, leads me to the title of today's message, which is Make Your Life a Return on Investment for God. Make Your Life a Return on Investment for God. So please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 11 through 27. This is the parable of the ten minas. The parable of the ten minas. So I'm going to read this passage and then break it down verse by verse, section by section, as far as the interpretation of this passage. So Jesus is speaking here in the book of Luke. Again, chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. While they were listening to this, he, meaning Jesus, went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to, to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, (coughs) even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them 
bring them here and kill them in front of me. All right, so Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. So what I'm going to do right now is just break down the explanation of these, this passage of Scripture, this parable, verse by verse, and then I'll be getting into uh, three main points that elaborate a little bit further on this parable. Okay, so we take a look here at verse 11. <clears throat> While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus used many parables to illustrate spiritual concepts, just as I talked about the two actors at the beginning of this message, taking an earthly story to explain heavenly meaning, that God wants to invest in our lives. Uh, Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So in that time... The, the Jews, when they were expecting their Messiah, they were hoping for deliverance from the oppression of the Roman Empire. And they were thinking that the kingdom of God would come right then and there. That's what they were hoping for. What they didn't realize was that Jesus um, would bring his kingdom during his, millenni- uh, his second coming and his millennial reign. So they were a little confused, but Jesus had to clear things up for them. On to verses 12 through 15. Um, He said, A man of noble birth, so he begins his parable, his story. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. Okay, so basically, <clears throat> this parable is it's, it's a symbol of how Jesus is investing in us. He's entrusting us with his spiritual resources, which I'm going to elaborate on, and that he will come back again. And he wants to get a return on investment. The Lord wants to see what kind of fruit comes out of our lives with the deposit that he places, that he entrusts to us. (coughs) Don't worry, I don't have COVID. I just have a little coughing condition. Um... Okay, so about the mina. What is a mina? A mina <coughs> was a coin, and it was worth uh, about three months' wages. So this was a good chunk of money that he was in, that were, was being entrusted to the servants. A mina was a um, a Greek coin. There's the influence of the the Greek Empire as well as the Roman Empire in New Testament times. As the um, the Greeks had had taken over Judea, they had taken over Palestine, Israel. Okay, so Amina was a Greek coin worth about one hundred drachmas, which is another type of coin. And as I said, it was worth about three months' wages. So just pretty much figure this was a good chunk of money: three months' wages, uh, three months of payment that was they were expected to um, 
to put to work, to invest. So the meaning is mentioned in verses 13, 16, 18, 20, and 24. All right. Then this parable also makes mention of servants as well as subjects. Servants are symbolic of believers, or at least professing believers in Christ. And then the subjects were non-believers, people who reject Christ, people who reject his rule and his reign. Okay, so now let's take a look at verses 16 through 19. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Okay, so he invested his money wisely. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. He also invested wisely. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Okay, so here we see the first two servants. They gave a return on investment. They bore fruit. They were productive with the investment of minas. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. So these are true believers. They received the investment, and they gave an investment. They put it to work. They, they got down to business. They bore fruit. These are true. This is symbolic of true believers in Christ. Now let's look at the third servant. This is a false believer, a false convert. Verses 20 through 23. Verses 20 through 23, which reads... Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? So think about it. This individual, not only did he fail to invest the money, the minas that he was given. But he just kept it in a cloth. Now think about how foolish that would be to just take a $10 bill or any amount of cash and just leave it in a tissue. That's silly. I mean, not even putting it to use, not even keeping it safe, not putting it in the bank, not even putting it in one's wallet or purse not putting it, um, you know, in a safe box or something, you know, something to secure it. That, that's just very silly. Who would leave their money just laying around in a cloth or a tissue or a napkin? But that's basically what this individual did, which is, just sounds absolutely ridiculous. So he was idle. He was unproductive, and he was negligent with what he was given. He was full of excuses, and he had a fear of failure, and a fear of not being able to please the king. 
Dr. Craig Keener is a Bible commentator and um, Bible scholar, professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, which is in Kentucky. He has uh, a Bible background commentary. I highly recommend it. It's a good resource for understanding the cultural background of the Bible. He says about verse 20, in reference to verse 20, he says, not only was this servant's failure to invest the money contrary to the king's orders and common sense. He even failed to protect the money as giving it to the money changers, storing it in a temple treasury, or even keeping it in a strong box might have done. Wrapping money in a perishable handkerchief was considered to be one of the most irresponsible ways to take care of money. And it suggests that the servant was stupid or treasonous, or most likely both. Well, he doesn't mince any words <laughs> in that Bible commentary, but it's true. I mean, what the man just did was absolutely foolish and wasteful. And that's what people do when, when you know, God's blessings and opportunities are given to them, and they just squander them, and they reject the opportunity to invest, to give a return on investment to God. It's sad. On to verses 24 through 27. It says, Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. So both the subjects, the non, total non-believers, and the false servant, which is a false convert, not a true believer, they came to their consequence of this rejection of the king. See? So again, this parable is symbolic of people's responses to God and his rule and reign in our lives. So I want to submit to you today that God has invested in each of us. God has invested in every person on planet Earth. And he expects a return in investment in three areas. And what are those three areas? I'm going to tell you what they are, and then I'm going to explain them. Number one is salvation. You know, think about it. Have you received his precious free gift of salvation in repentance and faith. And are you sure of it? So salvation is God's first investment that not everyone accepts. In fact, most people reject it. But the opportunity is there. He, he, he puts out the, the opportunity. He puts out the mina for us. And he says, if, if you want it, you can have it. If you repent and turn to me. If you believe in my son, Jesus Christ, you can have your sins forgiven. You can receive eternal life. You can be born again. You can have a new life. You can have a, a new beginning. So he, he offers this, this investment that we have to choose to either accept or reject. Secondly is, is service. Are you using your spiritual gifts in service to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God has invested in us. Every believer, every person who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior has spiritual gifts, and it's up to us to discover what those gifts are and to use them to give God a return on investment. And thirdly, stewardship. 
How are you using the resources that God has blessed you with to further his kingdom and to do his will with your life? And I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. But God has blessed us all in some way, shape, or form with various resources. How are we using them? How are we giving back to God and giving that return and investment? So let's talk about salvation. Salvation. I'm going to quote from Revelation 22, verse 17, and it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So again, as I just said a few moments ago, that you know God offers every single one of us the opportunity to know Him, to walk with Him, have a relationship, have our sins forgiven, receive eternal life. He desires to change our lives. He desires to make each and every one of us into the people that He's called us to be. If we let Him, if we if we invite Him in to our lives to be our Lord and Savior, and we have to choose wisely and accept that free gift. You know, going back to the original illustration of the two actors, how silly, how ridiculous would it have been and how ungrateful if, uh, as a young college student, uh, Chadwick Boseman said, oh, thank you, Mr. Washington, but I'm good. You know, I'll, I'll figure this out on my own. I don't need your money. Thank you, sir. That, that's not, that's, that wouldn't be very grateful at all. Or suppose if he did take the money and he, to pay for that tuition for that special theatrical program, and then he got into his acting career and never once offered a word of thanks uh, or acknowledged the generous gift that Mr. Washington had given to him as a young man to help pay his way through that training, that would be extremely ungrateful and disrespectful. Um, but you know what? Sadly, that's what most people in the world do. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. He offers his gift of salvation so that anyone can come to know him and believe in him. But, and he offers this spiritual investment, this investment of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And most people reject it. They don't want anything to do with it. Sad. Very sad. So Jesus Christ died for our sins. He offers us salvation. And to reject that is just absurd. It's totally foolish. But unfortunately, that's what most people do. Secondly is service. Service. I'm quoting from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's in the context of Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that tells us, you know, that we're saved by grace, which is God's undeserved favor, through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're not saved by our works, we're not saved by our efforts. But once we realize, hey, I've been saved by the undeserved favor of God, the grace of God, by trusting in Jesus Christ, wow, my life should be filled with good works not to earn my way to salvation, not to keep my salvation, but as an act of gratitude, uh, a life of service to Christ. So God created us to do good works. He prepared it 
in advance for us to do. Now, God has a plan for every single believer, and it's up to us to find out what that plan is. God has a different calling upon the life of every believer, and we need to be able to find out what that calling is. So a question for reflection is, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Um, I don't have time to get into a full teaching on that right now, but there are several passages in the New Testament that, that list spiritual gifts that God gives to every believer. Um, and, and, and we need to be able to find what our spiritual gifts are. So if you do a Google search on spiritual gift tests or spiritual gift inventories, that's something you can do online and find out, you know, what are your spiritual gifts? How can you be of, you know, best use to the Lord in Oasis Church and outside of the four walls of the church in the community and surround and, and missions? You know, how can, we be, how can we be of best use to God? We have to know what our spiritual gifts are. So, the question is, are you using your spiritual gifts? By the grace of God, one of my spiritual gifts is teaching, and this is what I'm trying to do right now. I'm teaching the Word. There are people that do a far better job than I do, but I, I use what God has given me to be able to communicate His truth, and I, I trust that it blesses you guys in some way. So, as we await the return of Jesus, we need to uh, be busy about God's business, with seriousness, not living idle lives, not being lazy and complacent. We need to do God's will in our homes, our church, our job, our career, amongst our friends and our acquaintances and our contacts, the community and the world. Um, one of my favorite preachers, you, may, you hear me quote him a lot in my messages, Dr. Tony Evans, he has this quote where he talks about drive-through Christians, like drive-through, like fast food drive-through he says that a lot of Christians, or professing Christians, are, are, are drive-through Christians, spiritually speaking. They just want to go through the drive-through. They just want uh, a God who feeds them and, and makes them fat, not a God that they can cook for and serve. So God doesn't want us to be drive-through Christians. He wants us to cook. He wants us to serve. He wants us to be using our spiritual gifts. He wants us to be able to use our talents, our gifts, and our abilities for his glory. And that reminds me of that famous quote from LeBron James in 2010 when he made that, that, that famous decision to join the Miami Heat. He says, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. I'm going to take my talents to South Beach to join the Miami Heat. So the question we need to think about is, where are we taking our talents for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, what are we doing in his kingdom? How are we using our spiritual gifts? How are we using our lives for God's glory? This leads us to the third point, which is stewardship. Stewardship. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Stewards. Stewards are managers. We're not owners. We're stewards. God has given us resources, and he expects us to be faithful stewards, to be faithful managers of what he has given us. Okay? So in what way has, uh, or what, what is God giving us to be stewards of? What has he blessed us with to manage? Well, Money. Some people have more money than others, and some have less, but money is something to steward wisely. Possessions. 
relationships, time. Some people have more time than others, and some have less, but we all have the gift of time and as well as resources. So again, money, possessions, relationships, time, resources. God expects us to prove ourselves faithful and trustworthy. He needs us to be trustworthy, reliable stewards of the blessings, the investments, the resources, the gifts that he has given us as he invests in us. About five years ago this month, when Carla and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary, we took a trip to Europe, London, Paris, and Rome, and uh, we did not bring Calvin with us, (laughs) or we have one dog at that time, now we have two. So we left Calvin and our dog, Frida. Monet came, came around a year later. We have two dogs, Frida and Monet. We left them with our friends Chris and Paula, Miss Lorna's uh, daughter and son-in-law. They're Calvin's godparents, good friends of ours. We wouldn't just leave Calvin and the dog with just anyone. We would need, for that week that we were gone, we left Calvin and the dog with trustworthy people, people that we can rely upon, people that would take good care of Calvin and the dog, and people that have a, a good bond with Calvin as his godparents. So likewise, um, God expects us to be trustworthy and reliable. He wants to know that when he entrusts us with his investments, when he entrusts us with his precious resources, that we will take good care of them, that we will be good stewards, we will manage them wisely. We are accountable to God to how we live our lives, and we will be rewarded accordingly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, the Apostle Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So basically, every believer is at varying levels of maturity and fruitfulness, and God will reward us accordingly, according to our levels of fruitfulness and faithfulness in this life. We're saved by his grace and mercy. We don't earn our way to salvation and heaven in a relationship with God. But once we receive that gift, he expects a return on investment. He expects us to build wisely. He expects us to serve and to be good and faithful stewards, to be responsible with what he's given us. He wants us, as it talks about in this passage, to use gold, silver, and costly stones to build on the foundation of Christ in our life. God doesn't want us using wood, hay, and straw to build on this foundation. 
So as we begin to come to a close, uh, we should reflect on the degrees of usefulness. How useful is your life to God? How useful is your life to God? And how are you using the resources God has given you to bless others? Are we indifferent to the things of God? Are we apathetic to the things of God and only caring that we just live at ease and have a nice, comfortable life? Or do we truly care about God investing in us and then him using us to go invest in the lives of others? Again, the Lord offers us his investment, his spiritual investment, symbolized here by this $10 bill, although God's investment in us, of course, is priceless. How are we using it? Are we investing in what God has given us? Or are we just casually leaving it in some little cloth or tissue and just, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Someone steps on it, someone steals it, I don't care. It gets rained on. A dog comes by and eats it. Oh, well, who cares? Gone, right? So God expects us to invest wisely. How are we doing? Again, back to what Tony Evans said about drive-through Christians. It's our human nature to just want to focus on God blessing us and not bossing us. But the truth is that he's a good and wise boss, and we need to listen to him. If you've seen the movie or read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, uh, we have Aslan, the, the lion, is a symbol of Jesus. If you haven't seen it or you haven't read it, please check it out. Powerful illustration. And there's a line in the movie that says, Aslan, which is a symbol of Jesus, Aslan isn't safe, but he is good. It's not safe to follow Jesus, especially in certain parts of the world. It's actually extremely dangerous. But even here in America, we may not face like intense persecutions. But it's still not, it's not safe. It's not comfortable. It's, it's not easy to follow Jesus if we follow him biblically. It's not an easy Life. It is a life of discipline. It's a life of service. It's a life of self-denial. It's a life of saying no to our flesh, which is not easy. He isn't safe, but he is good. We can trust him, and he, he wants to be the boss of our lives. He wants to be the ruler of our lives, the king of our lives. He, he wants us to submit to his authority in his, his, his plan. And when we do that, the Lord's full investment can be expressed in our lives and we can give him great glory. We can bear great fruit with our lives and give God the return on investment that he rightfully deserves from our lives. Amen? So as I said at the beginning of the message, you know, life is precious. We have a lot of people sick this week. COVID is nothing to be played around with. You know, we hope and pray everyone gets through just fine. 
Um, but it's a reminder to us. You know, life is precious. Life is fragile. And we're reminded of the sanctity of human life and current events of the week. Life is precious. Are we using it wisely? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us the gift of life, physically as well as spiritually. And I pray for everyone gathered here and those watching online, and myself as well, that you would search us, Lord. Show us, Lord, what you would like to change in our lives and help us to not be afraid to embrace change. God, I pray you'd show us how we can best um, bear fruit and give you, Lord, the return on investment that you so rightfully deserve from us. Forgive us, Lord, for our ingratitude. Forgive us, God, for going through the motions, being complacent and carnal. Uh, Forgive us, Lord, for just taking you and taking life for granted. Help us to renew our focus and our commitment to you this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, thank you, everyone. You have a wonderful week.